Rusty Quill presents. Life is full of awesome what ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. It's not hard to imagine what it feels like to drown. You can practice right now, even if you've never been near a large body of water in your life, even if you've never been swimming. You can feel the water around you, pressing against your face and neck and chin like living silk, touching every inch of you, a mindless pressure seeking out your nose and mouth, slipping in every time your strength falters, the liquid of life seeking the small spaces in your lungs, choking you. I often think of one of our most distant ancestors having strayed too close to the water's edge. Something grabs it, pulls it in and down into the crushing dark. The first of billions to watch the light die as the cold water leeches life and hope from the bone. Hey everybody, this is Tyler Bell, 
author, reader, and host of this podcast, The West Side Fairy Tales. Today's tale is the second half and conclusion of my story, The Water Rotted Doll. When last you heard my voice, we'd left our protagonist trapped in the kitchen of a sinking ship, her flight from her war-torn homeland interrupted by a new kind of horror, drowned dead coming back to coax her down into the water with them, and a strange plaster doll with its own special place in her nightmares. If you haven't listened to part one of this podcast yet, you can find our entire archives on iTunes at bit.ly.com slash westsideitunes and Stitcher at bit.ly.com slash westsidestitcher. I strongly suggest you listen to part one now. This story won't make much sense if you start it halfway. This is normally the part of the podcast where I give a book recommendation, but we're going to forgo that today because I have several announcements to make and I don't want to keep you from the story for too long. First, I'm proud to announce that Westside Fairy Tales has been added to the ACPN network lineup joining a host of incredible entertainment and pop culture podcasts, including Childhood Remastered and Drunk on Disney, hosted by Dana Snyder. You might recognize him as the voice of Master Shake on Adult Swim's Aqua Teen Hunger Force. I was a massive fan of that show, and Drunk on Disney is just as amazing. The entire ACPN lineup is available on theapcn.com. Check them out when you get a chance. I'm also happy to announce that West Side Fairy Tales is being featured as part of this season's Two Pods a Day campaign. Two Pods a Day shines a spotlight on new and upcoming podcasts you may or may not have heard of, including heavy hitters like Mike Brown's Pleasing Tears and The Breakers Podcast, a radio drama about a man and his dog surviving the American wasteland after a mysterious virus demolishes the population. Both casts are must-listens, especially Pleasing Tears. I'm a huge fan of that show. All right, that wraps up the announcements. Hopefully you're all still with us. Now, without further ado, today's story, The Water Rotted Doll, Part 2. I lost myself in that darkness. A chilling numbness overtook my body, took my body from me. I became little more than a brain in a bath, knowing only itself and the sensation of floating. Imagination blurred into reality. I would see my sister as an old woman, rocking gently on a wooden porch. She looked at me and told me her husband had died, and this made her incredibly sad. I told her that I never had a husband, and she said I must be lonely. I said I was, and I reached out to take her hand. Then my face slipped beneath the water and I sputtered to the surface of my bubble after several seconds of fevered searching. Things of this nature happened throughout the night. I would think my tiny bubble of air was collapsing and hold my breath until I feared I would lose consciousness. Things brushed against my naked legs in the water and I screamed myself hoarse. I wept. A warmth came over me in those twilight hours of utter blackness. I felt suddenly as though the water were warm as a fresh bath. Then I stood up and found myself walking naked through the halls of the old man's house. Blood leaked from a thousand needle pricks in my arms, legs, and chest. Soft purple flames licked up the walls around me. Shades of children, eight or ten of them, rushed past me into the dark at the far end of the hall. I knew what awaited me there and still I could not help but walk onward. The flames crackled so very softly I could barely hear them. And there she floated at the end of the hall, a young rich girl in a soft purple dress. Water thickened her flesh. Her formerly delicate white hands were like sponges. Blood trickled from the few nails that had popped off her fingers. White bones shone out of the hollow where her eyes had been, giving the impression not of something missing, but of an absence so visceral it possessed an oily life all its own. 
The Bible, the dying priest had thrown into the ocean, was there as well, pages torn loose of their binding and plastering the walls of the hallway. It was them the purple fire fed upon, and I saw all books present in the conflagration. Then the dead girl pulled up her skirts, and a filmy yellow lace crept from the folds of silk. It wove itself into existence from the useless darkness above the dead girl's fish-eaten knees. The girl's body collapsed into slush, and out of that flotsam, the plaster doll emerged. I slipped beneath the water again, and this time nearly drowned before finding the dry bit of cabinet that barked the perimeter of my bubble. I dragged myself up, sobbing and coughing and secretly considering just letting go. I would float peacefully down into the bowels of the ship, dying as if in a dream. I would join the others in peace. But I did not. I hung on and waited. For what, I do not know. I eventually took my underwear off as well and used them to fashion a crude sling I wrapped over the hinge in the cabinet door. It kept me from slipping beneath the water and I slept, my mind unable to tell where the line between dream and reality began. And so I slept, and what dreams came I no longer recall, but there is no reason to believe they were pleasant. More incredible is what I saw when I awoke. And I did see, I could see, and this amazed and terrified me. A brilliant yet dull green light poured into the portholes, shining down and slantwise into the ruin of the sunken kitchen beneath my feet. I could see black forms of the shelves, and knives and pans and gently floating rags. There were no bodies or any such thing, and for this I was glad. I was terribly thirsty, but the water stores I knew of were hundreds of feet down the submerged hall, and empty anyways. I knew not to drink the seawater, though I suspected I already had. I had heard tales of men going mad on the open ocean from drinking salt water and harbored the mild worry that I was already going mad myself. But I had my evaporated milks, stored as they were on the other side of the flooded kitchen. When I decided I had not gone insane, and I really was seeing the sunlight through the portals, I endeavored to dive to them. Opening my eyes on the water hurt at first, but I adapted quickly. What I saw through the portholes filled me with joy and horror at the same time. Only a thin layer of water, perhaps a foot or so, lay between the porthole and the open sky. So close to salvation, but so unbelievably far. There was no way I could break the porthole. It was made of thick glass and riveted in place. I gave it a few weak punches before swimming back up to my bubble for air. A few minutes later I remembered my stash of evaporated milk and tried to swim down to it, but it was too far. I made several attempts before realizing I could haul myself quickly downward by using the shelf built into the wall. This I did, thinking all the time of the horribly powerful current which had tried to rip me down into the depths of the ship the night before. But there was no current, no obstacles but the water itself, and soon I had gathered up a dozen cans in my discarded shirt. The trip back up taxed me to my limits, but I made it. I opened one of the milks, and it tasted like honey. This minor success made me giddy with excitement. I swam naked through the flooded kitchen like a true child of the water, doing my best to ignore the severity of my predicament. I retrieved my clothes and a host of rags from the far end of the kitchen, as well as a sturdy knife just in case. From all of this I wove myself a better sling where I could sit and relieve my fatigue. I had nearly pushed the horrors of the night before out of my mind when I heard the first explosive knock in the ship. At first I thought it was another explosion, but it came from high overhead, a deep, rapping thrum that made me dizzy from the noise of it. 
I was so startled I even dropped the half-full can of evaporated milk I had been drinking. My heart beat wildly in my chest as the hammering continued, and I buried my head in my hands for fear of it. I thought perhaps this ship was getting ready to turn over on its side, but I would soon watch the gentle green light in my window fade and fade and fade as I dropped into the abyss. But nothing happened. The banging stopped and silence returned. My good mood soured through the rest of the day as I came to understand I was well and truly trapped. I dared the trip to the door to see just how much of the hallway was submerged. Sunlight penetrated little of the gloom in that dark water. With the ship on its side, the hall had filled with cloudy seawater. At the far end of it, a distance of a hundred yards or more, was a single brilliant light. The porthole at the end of the hall, by which my estimation still sat above the waterline. I judged the swim impossible, and dared to glance into the dark heart of the Niobe. I screamed when I saw it, a stream of bubbles rising before my eyes. They obscured the figure in the water before me, but I knew without fault what it was. Water had bloated its blanched plaster face into something monstrous. The skirts of its body floated around it like black seaweed caught in a fishing net, and I was aware of hands, though I could see none, and plaster dolls were built without such things. I pushed myself back into the sunken kitchen and swam to my bubble. My chest grew tight in a few short feet before I reached the surface. Leaden arms would not push me onward, and I felt like I was sinking. Black haze grew at the corners of my vision, expanding until I could only see a tiny circle before me. As though I were swimming now inside my failing body, and being dragged further and further away from a porthole like that at the end of the hallway. The light whose name was Hope. But I did not die. I crested the surface of the water and air filled my lungs. I wrapped my torso in the sling I had made and floated like a dead woman as the oxygen rejuvenated me. When I could see again, I turned and looked down into the water. The doll floated just out of the doorway, its sightless eyes drawing me toward them with the same inexorable force that had dragged the dead down into the dark heart of the Niobe. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. It did not gesture at me, nor was its presence some great imposition. I felt no threat of immediate violence. I feel foolish in this recounting, as I always do, that I can give you no greater evidence of this thing's malice save a constant feeling of dread. In understanding that it wanted my life, that it hungered for me and God knows what kept it from claiming me. But its actions gave no indication of this. It merely hovered there in the gloom beyond the kitchen, the weakening sunlight giving its features only the vaguest sense of shape and form. And in time it faded back into the darkness. Night came faster than expected. I drank evaporated milk and tried to get comfortable enough in a sling to fall asleep. Sleep came, and with it nightmares of the sort, uh, you'd expect. More than once I was dragged down into the guts of the ship only to awaken to the disorienting darkness of the kitchen. An absolute, crushing blackness. I admit that more than once I began to scream wildly and slap at my immediate surroundings. I would feel the sting of my hand or wrist or fingers striking the various metal surfaces of the ship, producing dull pings that sounded like gunshots in my little bubble. I would remember that I was trapped, and I would shake and mutter to myself and then slip into fitful dreams just to reawaken and repeat the process. I lived like this for two more days, harried at the border of dream and death. Daytime was better, but not by much. I entertained myself by telling stories and, flying in the face of all reason, diving into the water just to see how long I could hold my breath. I had no way of keeping time, but I expected it was around one minute or so. I saw Cousteau again on the third night. Perhaps the moon had been hidden behind clouds or in its new phase those first few nights. Weak light shone through the portals this night, a dull gray that changed the shadows and shapes I had gotten used to during the day. It made the sunken kitchen look hellish, depthless, and when I saw Cousteau staring up at me, I thought him no more than a vision. But still I froze. He floated beneath me, the shapes of his loose clothing fluttering around him as though caught in a gentle breeze. He seemed perfectly relaxed as he floated down there, arms slightly out to his sides. Scant moonlight shone over his face and I could tell from the lines it was him. In horror, 
I watched his body rise up to me. Caught in a moonbeam, I saw the gentle curves of his southern features, his sandy hair waving like meadow grass. But also I saw the fish-nibbled lips peeled back in a rictus, the patches of torn flesh over his forehead. And his eyes were gone, leaving only two colorless holes deeper than any well. Absent. Empty. Just like Cousteau himself. I stifled the scream as his head bobbed above the surface opposite my little swing. I could see nothing of him now save the dark outline of his head. It shifted with a hideous popping and cracking of neck bones. All I could see of his features then were two pinpricks of light, reflected off the wetness inside each missing eye. Come join us, he said. His voice was deep and water-choked. We are all waiting on you. No, I told him in a whisper. The black shape of him shifted and snapped. There is nowhere for you to go, he said. You will lose your mind and drown yourself. We will come up and drag you down. Come join us now and it will be easy. The thing that moved Cousteau sensed my hesitation and continued. Rana is here with me. She calls you a whore for kissing me, but even she does not wish this upon you. Breathe the water and join us. No, I said again, mustering an unfamiliar strength. The Cousteau thing shivered. No matter, it said. It slid closer to me in the water. But before I go, give me another kiss. I screamed and lashed out at the shape with my foot. It squelched and popped under the attack coating my naked foot in something warm and oily. Then it slid down into the water and I watched it slink slowly to the bottom of the kitchen. But it was not alone. There were dozens down there now, layered so thick they obscured the rest of the kitchen from vision. And all their eyes were missing, and all of them were staring at me. And they began to writhe and claw over each other. What evil power caused their bodies to move so, I do not know. Though the doll, I am sure, was part of it. Their movements became organized and soon I realized that they were climbing over each other to reach me. Small mounds of rotten flesh formed and then pulled in amorphous clumps toward my dangling legs. The light from the moon began to fade and I knew soon they would take my ankles and drag me down to them. I took a deep breath and I dove down into the dark, pulling myself along the wall with the furious strength of an alligator. I saw their shadows pass over me as I turned into the hallway. My lungs already burned and I had yet begun the long swim up the hall. The moon itself shone through the porthole ahead of me, a pale beacon in the infinite dark. My limbs grew stiff and leaden and still I clawed at the water. I could feel it behind me, you see, its fluttering skirts propelling it, its swollen and water-rotted face hovering just over my naked back. It wanted me desperately, this I know, but I would not let it have me. My lips threatened to part with every stroke now desperate to open and suck air into my parched lungs. Cold seawater bit my eyes, electric tingling prickled every inch of my skin. Still I swam onward. The moon grew before me, and even though I could feel the doll's foul skirts touching me, I swam. I felt frigid air on my fingers and in my arms and my face, and I drew in a great breath and then there was only darkness. The man who rescued me told me it was common for people who hold their breath too long, to dive too deep, to lose consciousness on their first breath out of the water. I am glad I did not startle them too much, surfacing from the hallway in the dead of night, where they had made camp in the labyrinth of the sinking ship. As you well know, 
This is the rescue party sent out by the Coast Guard after the exploding coal store sank the Niobe. They had cut into her side and begun searching level by level for survivors. And they had almost given up before a lone, naked girl clawed her way into the moonlight just a few feet away from them. They wrapped me in blankets and warmed me the best they could. By their estimations, I was near dead from hypothermia, and it was a miracle I was moving, much less alive. I told them the ship was full of the possessed dead and a cursed doll. To their credit, their laughs were concerned, not mocking. They strapped me to their strongest diver and fitted me with a rescue mouthpiece attached to his tank. Then we broke camp and began to swim out of the ship. The hallways were no less menacing with the company of others. I floated limply along on the strong swimmer's back, my arms and legs useless with exhaustion. The waterproof lights on their helmets colored the halls in oblong yellow circles. My eyes recognized the familiar shapes of the quarters where I'd made my home during the time before the Niobe floundered. Then we swam through the stairwell and onto the highest deck. We passed through this sepulchre as though in a dream. In my weakened state I had visions of the old crew and passengers walking in health along sideways floors. I saw myself as well, and Rana and Cousteau making deliveries to the wealthy apartments. Then I recognized the door to the little dead girl's room. She who we buried at sea in her fine purple dress. The doll floated in that dark space like a bobbit worm, slithering from its hide as we passed. The others didn't notice its slow, silent movement out into the hall. I tried to scream or struggle to get my swimmer's attention, but I was too exhausted for anything but a feeble shifting he likely just credited to the currents. But by some act of God, he turned and saw the thing creeping toward us and struggled to swim faster instead of surrendering to fear. The doll's eyes and mouth had grown monstrous since the last I'd seen it. Its head had swollen to the size of a pumpkin, and those holes made up most of that mess. They seemed without end. There were no rows of teeth or obscene grasping feelers. There was simply nothing, a vacuum yearning to be filled. My swimmer overtook the man in front of him. They matched eyes for just a moment, the other clearly confused. A soundless gesture passed between them and the other man stopped to look back. The doll hesitated and I could sense its frustration as it was forced to choose. But choose it did. It slowed only a moment before striking. The man's lantern cast its body in horrid yellow and with his last perfect look at it, I gained no new knowledge of the thing. It surged forward and wrapped its skirts around the man's head and chest. He struggled. His lantern fell to the floor and his death struggle was painted on the wall in a series of confused shadows. I had one last glimpse of the doll as my swimmer angled upward around the bend in the hallway that would take us to the surface. It thrashed about over the man pinned to the wall beneath it. The thing's head was raised, faced bared to the light. Its mouth and head seemed to be growing, and growing round, round as this swollen moon. Of course, you gentlemen know the rest. I was admitted to the hospital sole survivor of the ill-fated Niobe. My testimony is the only existing record of that ship between its departure from Port Artis until it sank into the harbor many months later. Your government asked that I never repeat that testimony in order to maintain that all aboard the Niobe had died. I was given citizenship and trade for that consideration. You, of course, also know that I spent some time in an institution while certain parties tried to discredit me. And you know how that course of action was dropped after several ill-fated attempts to salvage the Niobe. I have heard ten men were lost in some recounting of that effort, twenty in others. 
I have also heard that the Niobe was never denied permission to land in port, that the captain, in fact, never even hailed the shore. And I know very well now that the cough that had killed so many aboard that ship was cured years ago in this part of the world. I know a great many things now, in fact. Our mutual friends thought my struggles merited inclusion in the order and the information that came with it. A shame that it required I get such a foolish-looking mark tattooed on my hand. I don't believe this is an owl feather, though by my reasoning it perhaps should be. Yes, a great many things are known to me, but questions remain, and so I entertain these interviews every few months or so to sound for answers of my own. What drew that thing to me? What was the old man's purpose in all of this, and why wasn't he on this ship? And where is he now? You'll have heard that Port Artis was burned to cinders, but I can tell you for a fact he was not there. I have looked. Most of all, what bothers me is that hideous doll. I feel in my bones that it is still out there, biding endless time down in the oily dark of the deep. If it is still with the Niobe, then let it stay there. But if it is not, where will its hunger lead it? The shallow waters? Back across the ocean to its home? Perhaps one day another rich young girl will come home to find her doting father has purchased her an odd but beautiful doll. But I can see you gentlemen do not have answers for me, only more questions. These, I'm afraid, I cannot answer. Well, I must be going. I believe it will rain tonight. Good evening, gentlemen. Rotted Doll, Part 2. What did you think? Was the doll the things our protagonist saw even real? What would you do if you were trapped on a ship like that? You think you'd make it? And what would you do different? Join the conversation and let us know what you think of the story, the characters, and your host, the incorrigible Tyler Bell, by following us on social media and chatting us up. We are at WS Fairy Tales on Twitter and Westside Fairy Tales on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Google+. If you want to drop us a line directly, you can always email us at westsidefairytales at gmail.com. We love hearing from fans, so don't hesitate to reach out. Speaking of fans, we recently found out somebody we're already fans of is a fan of us. Jack Luna of the Incredible Dark Topic podcast said some really nice things about us on Twitter and even gave us a shout out on his latest podcast. So from all of us here at Westside Fairy Tales, thanks a bunch, Jack. If you don't know about Dark Topic, It's a true crime podcast with a specific focus on serial killers and similarly depraved individuals. Jack's latest episode on Andre Chikatilo, The Ripper of Rostov, is an absolute must-listen. I suggest not going at it alone in the dark, though. It's pretty goddamn creepy. Thanks again for tuning in, folks. If you're new here or if you're just popping back in and haven't heard the news yet, we've changed our update schedule to the first Friday of every month. In the interim, we're putting out vlogs on our YouTube channel that you can check out. Those aren't necessarily scary, just thoughts about the craft of writing and horror as a genre. Pop by and give it a look if you got a second. Our next episode is titled The Green Man. It's a story about a young man in a bad neighborhood coming to terms with something awful he's done. Until then, you can catch up on our entire archives on iTunes and Stitcher. And don't forget, stay safe out there. Westside Fairy Tales is written, read, scored, and produced by Tyler Bell. All content herein is copyright 2018, Tyler Bell.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Something's not quite right in the quiet mountain town of Targrady, West Virginia. Months after a local teen was lynched in the dead of a hot summer night, two men stand charged with murder in what the majority opinion considers to be an open and shut case. But Adelaide Stevenson, a young crime reporter from Charleston, is finding out the smallest cracks in the official narrative run far, far deeper than she could have ever expected. Join Adelaide and West by God as she navigates small town secrets, the dubious ethics of her own profession, and the dark whispers of an ancient creature, known to some as the Witcham Woman, who prowls the shadowed hollers that lie between night and nightmare. Sent on overnight assignment to cover the start of the trial, Adelaide quickly realizes the story she's been told, and been telling, doesn't make sense. Cryptic assertions of a concrete alibi are emailed to her by the family of the accused. Nobody in town seems comfortable discussing the basic facts of the case, and the murder she's been writing about wasn't the only tragic death this summer. Adelaide extends her stay against the wishes of her editor, and her investigations take a complicated and dangerous turn as she discovers the true depths of the mysteries surrounding Targrady. The only real evidence from the night of the murder may lie in the hands of a notorious local crime family led by an enigmatic woman known as the Fetid Queen. Local authorities seem to grow more hostile by the hour, and even Adelaide's own career might not survive this assignment. Featuring an eclectic cast of characters ranging from violent and horrifying to outlandish and fabulous, West by God is a must-read novel for anybody who enjoys Twin Peaks, Stephen King, and all the creepy places you find just off the path in the woods. It is the debut novel of Tyler Bell, a USMC infantry combat veteran, former crime and courts reporter for the Charleston Daily Mail, and creator of the award-winning Westside Fairy Tales horror and dark fiction podcast. Due for release by Henlow Press in October of 2023. Learn more at westsidefairytales.com slash westbygod.